Quest Gaming Network presents Elder Scrolls Off the Record. How you doing today? This is Elder Scrolls Off the Record. I am your host, Evarwin. We got a great show for you today. Glad that you could tune in, whether you're on the podcast or you're watching us through YouTube. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for watching. Today is Turdos, the 14th of Sun's Dusk. That's right. And I am joined by David Deenforce Adams. Hello! <laughs> Listen, you know, I'm not, I, I didn't make it. It's there. That's what it is. <laughs> and we're also joined by our other fantastic host, Lewis the Loremaster Olan. Hello, Ivarwin. Hello, Dave. Hello, chatroom. What is going on? And we are also joined by you, our great and wonderful chatroom. Thanks for coming in, guys. We've got a burgeoning chat room in there today, so it's it's wonderful to uh, to see everybody. Um, I want to throw out there's there's no news <laughs> in Elder Scrolls Online this week, so to to build a show this week has been I should say a challenge. Um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna take a little a little peek um, into into the forums and and sort of ask. Looking towards Elder Scrolls 6, you know, what do we got? And I got a couple of questions here. And then also, um, a uh, the PC Gamer Holiday issue came out, uh, and Elder Scrolls Online is on its cover. Uh, they've got a fantastic uh, exclusive. Uh, we'll talk about exactly what they had said. And there's a lot of very nice quotes in here that I think coming from PC Gamer can make uh, every Elder Scrolls fan extremely excited about Elder Scrolls Online. And then, of course, we've got the dev question of the week, the Elder Scroll, and we'll hit uh, your emails as well. Um, but first, 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 um, let's, let's, just, let's just talk about the, uh, the pink elephant in the room right now. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I'm hosting the show again. Why? Well, uh, Joe Wilson has, has resigned um, from, from Quest Gaming Network. And uh, he's decided to, to dedicate his time uh, to becoming a career author and his family. Now, we here at QGN you know, couldn't agree more with his choice. He's, he's got a brand new book coming out. Um, I think it came out today, actually. Is that? Yes, it did. It did, yes, right, it did. Dave? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Um, his, uh, his book came out today. You can get it on uh, Barnes & Noble and I'm not 100% sure where else. Um, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I can I tell you. Aloris Publishing has it up on their site. Right. So you can get it there. 
Yeah, you can. Um, but if they're if it's available anywhere else, you know, you can you can follow Joe on Twitter, like you know we all do, and I'm sure most of you already do. Um, but check out his Twitter because if he's if there's any updates uh, to continue, and his second book coming out uh, next mm-hmm. year, you can check him out at the widget. That's W I G I T, W I G I T. Uh, so we wish him all the best. All right. Great success and a happy, healthy, prosperous future with all of his endeavors. And, uh, we want to thank him for his tireless work on such great podcasts like Minecraft off the record and as of uh, QGN as a whole. So good luck and, and Godspeed, Joe. Um, Dave, I mean, you have anything on, on this? I mean, you know, oh, that please. about covers it. Uh, I think people in the chat room are saying his book is also on Amazon. But okay. hell, man, if that blows up, you'll see it everywhere. So I hope for the best. Hoping for an Oprah sticker. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and uh, and Lou, what about you on this? Oh, sad to see him leave. But with the success that his book is definitely going to bring him, you know, it's going to be rough. You know, having to devote time to this and. And to the and to his future books, so sad to see him go. But again, you know, he's got a great thing coming up with Continue, and the second book coming out. And I just want to wish him all the best. God knows he's worked for it. He's worked hard for it. And he deserves it. So yeah. good luck, Joe. <laughs> Indeed. Um, all right, guys. So so let's get into the show proper. Uh, looking to Elder Scrolls Six. A, uh, a current poll on BethBlog.com had asked, what's your favorite Elder Scrolls game? Now, we've covered this before, but we had some very interesting results in the past. I believe the the game that you'd think would win out didn't. And um, I believe it was Oblivion at the time. And the game that you would think that would win Morrowind. out... What's that? It was Morrowind last time they did this. It was Morrowind? Mm-hmm. Which well, one was the most popular of the previously played ones? Was was Morrowind, which really, really surprised me. I, I was shocked um, as well on that. I mean, you you would think with a huge success uh, that Skyrim was, you know, fans would be saying, "Oh, Skyrim, Skyrim." Uh, well, things have changed a bit. I I would have to say, and uh, out of out of currently uh, a current total of six thousand. 392 votes, Skyrim is now winning with a, a landslide of over 53% of the votes. <laughs> More than all the others combined. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> now, given that Bethesda has stated in the past that uh, even they were surprised over how many copies of Skyrim they sold, um, Bethesda has a clear indication here that Skyrim is a success in Tamriel. So, so going forward, um, we know now people pretty much prefer Skyrim over the other Elder Scrolls games. I mean, that's a huge landslide, right, Lou? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to put in the words now. <laughs> <laughs> so, which, you know, this basically makes us think, you know, drawing from these facts, you know, how much like Skyrim do you think Bethesda will make Elder Scrolls 6? You know? Oh. 
<laughs> right, right. How this do you, is the deep thought question. How do you ignore a, a, an outstanding success? I mean, these guys, they knew they, knew they had their, their number one IP, Elder Scrolls, and the fifth iteration was coming out. And even they were like, wow, I can't believe we sold that many units. <laughs> you had side bets in the office. How do you, how do you think we sell? Exactly. No, we'll... <laughs> think they have like a betting pool. Yeah. <laughs> Here's Paul Sage walking back on pay up. Pay up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean when it when it comes to the and let let's start with Dave. I mean when it comes to the next Elder Scrolls game, Elder Scrolls Six, how much like Skyrim do you think that it's going to be? Because they've also said that, you know, by the way, um we when we come out with a brand new game, we start it completely from scratch, and and that's what that's the reason why it takes them so long. So so Dave, I mean, how much of Skyrim do you think is going to translate okay. to the sixth version? Let me, let me put it this way: you said right there they're going to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. So that's it, plain and simple. They're going to start from scratch. But here's the thing: is all of the games have to have that feel like they're an Elder Scrolls game, and I. You know, not to disparage any other games, but let's make a few comparisons. If I compare um, Dragon Age 1 with Dragon Age 2, it doesn't really feel like the same kind of gameplay. Um, Skyrim, compared to Oblivion, there are slight changes, a few different quirks, but otherwise it's the same gameplay. Right. Even back to Morrowind, a few quirks, but it's the same gameplay. Honestly, they have a recipe for success here. I don't think they're going to stray too far from it, but I could see them making a few great advancements. Um, but as for how much like Skyrim, like the area Skyrim that they're going to make it, I don't see them doing another snow-covered area again. Uh, the chat room is is weighing in a little bit here as we're talking about this, and uh, Matthew five four five is saying, "I hope they make it very close to Skyrim, but bring back a few features and systems of Morrowind and Oblivion." Uh, what what say you on that, uh, on uh, Lou? I mean, do you think uh, Matthew in the chat room here has has it going on? I mean, is he, is the guy right or? Well, uh, yeah, I, I in a way, yeah, I think he's right. I think we we all are because um, there are lots of different mechanics in all the games that we all like and appreciate and some we all detest like I know some people can't cannot stand the lockpicking system in Oblivion you know some prefer oh, the lockpicking system in Skyrim you know <laughs> or the speech crap in Oblivion speech oh the speech pizza. Like wheel yeah speech pizza speech pizza oh god I wish Shank were here <laughs> yeah um, that is terrible he's, actually he's telling me I, I said his name wrong in the chat it's actually uh, Mathis so I, I'm sorry dude <laughs> Poor but guy. yeah, as Dave was saying before, I mean, they do have, I guess, their own recipe or outline that they always use for the past, mm-hmm. you know, five games that have worked. And I think what's happened over the years is that as technology got better, they were actually able to do more things. You know, things that they wanted to do but couldn't because of, you know, when Marwin came out, you know, CPUs, GPUs couldn't handle the story that they wanted to present. Sure. You know, so they pretty much had to cut back, scale back on the other things they wanted to show and do. But now when Skyrim came out, you know, God, two years ago, oh, and look how far technology came, and they were able to do so much, oh, yeah. so much with the Elder Scrolls universe. And I think that explains why Skyrim exploded so much, because now people say, oh my God, you can do this in this kind of game? <laughs> 
I, I think I think one of the one of the huge features of of Skyrim that that sort of shines out over the others is is the ability to literally do this. You know what I mean? You got a spell in one hand, you got a spell on the other hand, or you got a, a sword in one hand, and a spell in the other hand. I think having the the two like dual wielding stuff going on, I think that was tremendous. I I was missing it when I went from Skyrim into Oblivion and back and then into Morrowind. I, I it felt so natural. Um, Dave, what do you what do you think? I mean, do you think that they're going to bring carry that over, or do you think that's going to be something that they said, you know what, that's a Skyrim thing, maybe not, you know, an Elder Scrolls Six thing? Okay, let me put it this way: Morrowind gave you the ability to use a weapon and have a spell equipped both at the same time. Um, same with that number four, the crappy one, but you have a, a weapon and a spell equipped both at the same time. <laughs> In um, Skyrim, you could have two. You had two hands to equip something, and you also had a third equip, which was your special, either a a a thum, a class spell, something that you could use. Uh, I, I use my bumper little. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I feel that. The better technology gain, goes up and up, the more they'll be able to allow you to do with your character. I mean, it really, honestly, it feels like you can customize combat more and more as you play through the games. You, you can feel it. Oh, yeah. Hell, Morrowind, you, the biggest thing I, I didn't care for about Morrowind, that when I got into the next level up, I was like, oh, Breath of Fresh Air. The enemy's hitboxes didn't match their sprites. Okay. They, there was these little worm things on the ground, and the hitbox was like, I don't know, the tip of their butt or something. So when they came at you, you couldn't even hit them. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with those stupid worms. And <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> I wanted to move my character out of the way and just step on the damn things. <laughs> right. So it doesn't matter. Every game, they come out with something better and better and better. They take out the things that just didn't seem to matter or were a waste of time, like acrobatics. Or all these different things that they feel that just did not make the game enjoyable and did not add to the content. And they're going to do that exact same thing when they look at Skyrim. They're going to say, this didn't feel like it was adding to the game. This didn't feel like Elder Scrolls. But on the other hand, this did. So we're going to make twice of two, two, you know, work twice as hard on this. And that's going to be thrown away. Right. Now, so, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dave. No, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> Zay, Zaythork in the chat room is saying, yeah, the two-hand system is a must from now on. Uh, mm. Now, Crispy Crackers had also said something about uh, about the two-handed system being being necessary as well in the next iteration. Um, I thought uh, Skyrim had a, had a better main plot, but Oblivion had... Okay, that was the wrong quote, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two, the two-handed system is definitely a favorite in the chat room. Uh, Lou, what do you think? Do you think that the, the two-handed system in Elder Scrolls Six is a must, or do you think we can go back? I think it's a must now. I mean, people... Players have now gotten so, gotten so used to the system. Uh, I guess the ease of picking it up and the flexibility that it presents to everyone's play style. You know, I, I think it's one of those uh, building blocks that they have to use. 
you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with them going back. But at this point, everyone's so used to it. I guess it's that kind of thing where everyone expects it now. Right. You know, it's that kind of thing yeah. where the player base loves it so much they can't fathom the developers developing the next game without it in there somewhere right. in some form. If they if they don't, it'll feel like they left it out. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and you know, the player base is definitely going to say something about that, especially if it's in beta or they're talking about it, and some dev says, you know. Oh well, we're not we're not bringing that back. Like what? Can you imagine the storm that's going to create on their own forums? I I definitely I definitely think that if they don't bring that two handed system as as one of the things um, from Skyrim into Elder Scrolls Six, I think that definitely would would be a, a fan favorite that would be lost. Um, now, what do you think that uh, that Skyrim? What do you think made Skyrim a clear winner over uh, over others, or or is it just relevance? I mean. People tend to jump on the the latest and greatest and hold it up and put it on a pedestal. But then when the next thing comes out, they do the same thing. You know, I remember when Morrowind came out. I mean, at the time, I had no idea what Elder Scrolls was. It was something I recognized, but you know, I didn't really know what was going on with it. But I heard about it, and I was I was a casual you know dude at the time. Like I was not into RPGs pretty much at all. I started getting into them with with Diablo two. Um, so Marwin floated over to me and I, I heard about it and I, I tend to think that that's because it was popular. Then Oblivion came out and all I heard was Oblivion is fantastic, so much better than Morrowind. Um, and now then Skyrim and they're, they're obviously saying the same thing. Do you think when Elder Scrolls six comes out that it's automatically going to take this top spot that Skyrim has, or do you, do you think there's something oh, special? Oh, it better damn well earn it. I'm sure it will. Go ahead, Dave. What do you got? <laughs> Okay, now y'all know my story. I haven't. I didn't play any Elder Scrolls game really. I didn't really care for them until Skyrim, and then I got into Skyrim, and, and you know what? I I really enjoy Skyrim. Um, but honestly, from the outside looking in, when I saw Skyrim, what it was to me, I wasn't an Elder Scrolls fan. So when I looked at it, I didn't see Elder Scrolls. Oh my God, the next Elder Scrolls game. My thought was, Hey, look. I can kill dragons. Okay. I know y'all were expecting something more, but that's honestly what drove me, and I'm sure a lot of other people, to the game. I mean, now that we know the franchise, it's it's a damn good franchise. But honestly, you, I walked into the game to kill a dragon. I I stayed in the game because of how damn good it was. Yeah. What What about you, Lou? Oh, I'm with Dave. Uh, the next Elder Scrolls Six game, you know, it's going to have to earn earn that spot. You know, take it away from Skyrim, okay? And I think that's nothing better than a gaming company having its you know premier product knocked off by its next product. You know, because that shows you know they they met that bar, they saw it, and you know what, we're going to beat it. And I definitely think they can. Um, and with lots of things, I mean. When I first heard about Skyrim, I was so looking forward to it because you know I've been such a long fan of the series. Well, I'm I'm sort of glad I'm sort of glad you you had said that, uh, Lou, because I want to ask now what I mean, what features in Skyrim place it above the others, and then we're going to look at the you know the converse of that in a few seconds. So what I mean, what in your opinion uh, gave you that that excitement? Well, when I first uh, you know got the game to run. Just the ease, what some people mentioned in the chat room, Skyrim undoubtedly is one of the easiest out of all the Elder Scrolls games to pick up and play. All right, you don't really need uh, 
necessarily need that, you know, that half inch thick game manual. You you don't have to sit there for several minutes reading it saying, Alright, what are the core mechanics of the game again? Uh-huh. Alright, what do I do? Alright. No. You can actually I, I think Skyrim is one of those games you literally sit down, load it up, run, and within maybe twenty minutes, half an hour, an hour, you're going to know exactly what you need to do for the basics of the game without, you know, tearing your hair out or, or, or you know, going crazy on what like what the bleep am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> you know, it, it, it's that intuitive. As opposed to, you know, you know, Oblivion and Morrowind did take some, you know, getting used to. Again, the speech wheel. Case in case in point with Oblivion. Speech yeah, pizza. That, that that's yeah, that speech, speech wheel, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> okay. I can't freaking deal with the speech wheel. Um, Dave, what do you think? What 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 makes Skyrim shine out over the over its predecessors? That doesn't make you jump through hoops just to play the damn game. The speech wheel needed to go. Yeah. The acrobatics needed to go. All these different tiny things that just add up. Honestly, you walk into Oblivion, it feels like, well, at least when I first play it, it feels like, oh God, am I messing something up? I'm scared to do anything because I'm scared of messing up. Skyrim makes it feel like you do anything, it's just going to build your character and make you better. All right, so then let's let's take a look at the the converse of this because I think if we examine Skyrim and its its strengths and weaknesses, and there are many on both sides, I think maybe we can start finding what what Elder Scrolls Six um, might might take away from from its its predecessors, and obviously Skyrim being one of them. In my opinion, I think one of the one of the worst things about Skyrim was the the UI. Are you kidding? I love the UI. The menu. I should say the menu. Oh, UI. the menu. The menu <laughs> UI. That's what I should say. After um, using Sky UI, it's a mod. You had to install yes. uh, the extended script editor. Just use it. After using that, I was in love. And honestly, I would still use it if I didn't have to use the script editor to make it run right. Yeah. Mathis is saying, I agree. Crispy is saying the inventory was awful. Yeah. God, yeah. Um. <laughs> Lou, what do you think? What's what's some of the things that made uh, that that Skyrim sort of missed on? Well, again, uh, you pointed out the, the menu. Um, as Chris pointed to, inventory control—it was a god awful mess. I mean, I can I, I can no longer fathom playing Skyrim without Sky UI. Yeah, because I, I think back to like when I first ran the game for the first couple of weeks, and realized, oh my, what am I? Where, why can't I find anything in my inventory? <laughs> where is it? Um. What else? Oh, uh, as she pointed out earlier on in the chat a few minutes ago, I'm going to bring that back because I think it's relevant. Um, Skyrim needs – had you know, the next game needs less fetch quests. I felt Skyrim <laughs> Give a lot me of 400 fetch... bear skins. Yeah, you know, or, or, or <laughs> you know, the FedEx quests. Oh, yeah, I need this and I need you to take this here and then come back. Oh, uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I need to go back there again. Like, no. <laughs> Please. <laughs> You know, no more fetch slash FedEx quests. You know, yeah, I mean, it's great for for a really quick side quest. Either work that in somehow to the overall story for that area or for those NPCs, but you know that that's something they need more of, like more substantial, more more meaty quests. Like, if you don't, you know, if you're gonna give me side quests, make them meaningful. I mean, make them contribute to the overall story of the area. You're, that you you're hitting that NPC. You're hitting a vein in the chat room. You got the uh, the wanderer go. of Tamriel is saying, "Thank you, Lou. Thank you." Crispy saying, "Yes, Lou. Oh my God." <laughs> Every you know, quest I, chain should be the Ethereum Wars, right? 
Yeah, I know. How like, awesome was and I have to thank you, Dave, for pointing that out to me on uh, on the show. Cause other than that I wouldn't have noticed. Um so so then I actually have something that y'all may or may not disagree yeah. with. Okay. Something that I brought up in my gameplay today in my live stream um, is I'm starting a mage character. Now, the problem with mage characters, they start off really slow. And if you get too high of a level, the enemies get too high of a level and they can just overpower you and put you down. And there's no way of building up unless you go to some really crappy low end area and just, I don't know, kill mud crabs to try to level your enchanting. Or whatever, not enchanting. <laughs> whatever, you know what I mean. So, my big thing is, I would, I, I know this is probably going to make people hate me for saying this, but I feel that there needs to be a disconnect between secondary skills and main skills, like armor, uh, weapon skills, spell skills. There needs to also be secondary skills that don't affect gameplay as much as helping you help yourself such as uh alchemy enchanting and blacksmithing i think that those need to be put off into a corner by themselves and they need to be kept there because they're amazing but i feel that you know me personally i'm a completionist and mm -hmm. i i my heart hurts <laughs> whenever i don't have max level blacksmithing it hurts like it physically, I physically feel pain <laughs> when I do not have max level blacksmithing, enchanting, and uh, uh, the the actually the potion one. It's a pain in the ass. I never do it. But right. those anyway, and, and you know stuff like pickpocketing and stuff like that. It's a secondary skill. Yes, it's nice. Yes, it's useful. But honestly, if you walk into the game at wanting to be a mage. Walk in, do all your secondary skills, hit level 30 before you walk out of town for the first time, you know, to actually play the game, and throw a fireball at a, a level 30 enemy, they're going to laugh at you and then put you into the ground. Sure. Sure. But, uh, I mean, there's there's something to be said about um, you know, tread lightly and having that, that open-worldness about it. I, but that's the only thing about Skyrim that has that feel. That's the Oblivion feel that I was talking about from earlier, where I was scared because I killed some dude on the side of the road. I was scared that I may have messed something up. You know, I, I, even though he picked a fight with me, <laughs> I was scared I messed something up. Right, right. All right. Um, now, okay. So, so Lou, I mean, in in reaction to Dave, what what do you what do you have for this? Well, yeah, I mean, I see Dave's point to where, yeah, you were in Oblivion and sometimes in some parts of Morrowind, you were afraid to do anything because you you didn't want to, you know, so-called screw things up and possibly block or end that, that possible quest chain that you come from that NPC. You know, or did you accidentally kill a key NPC that you're going to get from a quest, you know, five areas from now or, you know, from a different encounter, you know, you, you can all complete that stuff. You know, that, those are the kind of things I was afraid to do to do in Morrowind Oblivion because of that. You know, things I didn't do because, you know, if I do this, I might screw this up. This this plot line up, though, this story line up. With Skyrim, as they mentioned before, I mean, you had that openness to where, you know, you could do anything, and yeah, you may have suffered some consequences, but you still had other ways, where the game gave you other means to accomplish those goals. Um, okay. 
uh, Rage Philosophy in the chat room is is saying uh, Elder Scrolls Six better have spears. Oh, I agree, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, different <laughs> weapon sets now because there are I, now it's possible. I mean, we seen when they did their little. I remember when Beth when Bethesda did their little uh, little dev video where they went crazy, right? Their engine. Uh-huh. Uh, now they know they can do it. They can bring it into the game. Um, but I also want to emphasize what Dave was saying before with the I guess that secondary set of skills. Okay. I like what Dave was saying. The fact that yeah, keep keep those kind of skills separate. I mean, they're still important. But you know what? It's it's ancillary. I mean, you don't necessarily have to develop those in order for you to feel epic. In order for you to do the things that you want to do in the game. You know, like. If, for example, like why should I have to get my blacksmith to 100, you know, in order for you to forge my danger armor or dragon armor, you know? Right. Why now, can't I find someone like that guy over in, you know, Skyforge and say, hey, yeah, I know, right? I, I got the materials. You're the master to begin with. I'm Do you- just, yeah, I'm the Dovahkin, but you know what? Instead of me wasting my time or, you know, why could do other things, you know, here, here's the materials, man. Here are the mats. Do you, uh, you know, think? I'll pay whatever you want. Go crazy with it. <laughs> do you think that um, the the leveling, the the way you level your character in in Skyrim should be completely overhauled, Lou? Or or do you think there's it should stay similarly? Or and take maybe borrow some some pieces from you know Morrowind and Oblivion for for the sixth one? I mean, what, what do you think about that? I I like actually combination both systems. I do like what you know. You're only gonna level up one-handed if you use one-handed weapons, you know, and yeah. that's it. And you have yeah. to use a weapon that's comparable to you. I mean, yeah, there's a level system per se, but you know what? If you're gonna use uh, a two-handed sword uh, against a little uh, a little pigling, no, you may get some experience, but you know what? Nothing nearly as all right. You just want a two-handed sword against the frost giant, you know. Yeah. Um, you make it scale to what you're to what you're doing. With. One thing that uh, one thing that that kind of irked me a little bit in the game was I had this idea of a character. I'm gonna I'm gonna run in there with a you know two handed weapon and that's gonna be my character. You know, uh, I don't know something crazy, leather armor, two handed uh, weapon with um, you know a bow as as a second second weapon and then maybe some like restoration magic as well in in that. And then at some point, um, you know, you're you're flying through the levels, and then maybe around like 25 or a little earlier, things notice, noticeably slow down to a crawl. And now you're starting to have to look for other ways to to level up your character, become you know, find other ways to to get into combat in order to level up your character, or have to do something that I don't like doing, which is crafting. So I, I was forced to make a decision like. Should I should I do crafting in order to gain skills and level up and and keep the way I want to play in combat, or should I change the way I play in combat in order to level up? But now I'm not now I'm not playing the way I wanted to play or I originally conceived. Um, Dave, do you? That's something that I didn't like. Now, Dave, did you? What well, do you think okay. about that? Let's put it this way: what you're describing, honestly, mm-hmm. is what they let you do in Morrowind and Oblivion. Where you can basically build your class with your preferred setup, and it it champions those abilities. In that, that's what you're gonna follow through your game plan. That that's you know, hey, I want to use two handed swords and leather. Well, that's what you can set as your character: two handed swords and medium armor. You can pick that in those games. They stepped away from that to to set up Skyrim a bit differently. 
Yes, it may not be weighted perfect for all the different millions of types of classes, but they need to have any any of the different ones, the mage, the warrior, the the all these different ones, they need to go back through and look even at the previous games, especially like you're talking about where they have the the odd classes. I know I did Oblivion the other day. I saw like what? 20 some classes that you can pick from right at the start that have their own builds and yeah. setup. Yep. They need to take each one of those and go play Skyrim as that class and see if it's viable. And if it isn't, when they're making Elder Scrolls 6, they need to say, okay, what if someone wants to play like that? How do we make it viable? And then fix whatever issues they have there. All right, uh, Lou. Let's let's wrap up this dis- uh, discussion with with you on on that note. Hmm. Well, I'm actually looking at what Crispy said in the chat room. She's saying how I like in Oblivion, all the classes of magic were taught at different holds. Each hold had a specialty, and I, I guess that's something that I, I'd like to see that that kind of nuance built in the game to where you had like schools that specialize in destruction magic. Sure. That's uh that's that feels like a carryover from Oblivion actually. Right, exactly to where you actually had to go that yes, there are different mage colleges and the one mage's one overall mage's guild. But you know what? Each one has a specialty. That you know, that's all they deal in. You know, destruction magic. All these guys deal in restoration magic. That way you have you truly can build masters of their craft. And you know, with Skyrim, you know, you could be a combination of everything, you know. You could be that you know, my my badass, you know, my badass character. You're a badass character in Oblivion that you created. <laughs> you know, your badass <laughs> class. Right. You know, I, in Skyrim, I actually felt like I could build a viable battle mage to where, you know, my battle mage now she's wearing medium armor. You know, she's not wearing cloth armor, not anymore. Not like I'm my, my smithing up, but you know, <laughs> it all the enchants. But you know, I like that freedom, uh, and I think that's that's definitely should carry over. And what they were saying before, you know, the twenty classes off the top, uh, off the top list when you're in Oblivion, you know, take those classes, take those prescribed builds that the developers made, and you know what? If those don't work in the next game, you know, how can we honestly put that kind of you know play style into a game where even we can't play it ourselves? You know, if we can't play it and enjoy it ourselves, and why? How do we expect our customer base, our you know, our, our fans to go there and sit there and say, "Yeah, hey, right, I want to play an acrobat type class." <laughs> you know, it's great. You'd be jumping all over the place, bouncing off the walls. I guess like Toad from from X Men, but still, <laughs> right? You're not going to do a lot, and after a while, it's going to lose its its charm and its appeal. All right. Um, I, I some of the things that I would like to see be brought back in the Elder Scrolls Six is the uh, the idea uh, the way the way you built your class actually in Oblivion. I thought was was really um, a lot of fun. I thought the the uh, star signs, the, mm-hmm. the the signs that you chose, was was brilliant. I really liked that. And then there was this idea that maybe I want to build my own class and pick my own uh, main skills and then secondary skills. I I liked that. I don't know if if modern <laughs> gamers would would still be into that sort of thing, um, but I I certainly liked it, and I would I would like to see it in Elder Scrolls Six. Uh, Varwin, I have a question for you. Sure. Well, and Lou, I guess since you're here, why not, you know? Okay. <laughs> Jeez, Dave. <laughs> uh, with 
Skyrim coming out, it reintroduced dragons to Tamriel. Do you feel that there will be dragons in the Elder Scrolls Six? No, I don't. I don't at all because dragons, according to the lore in Skyrim, uh, if I remember it correctly, was never actually really reintroduced at that time. It was just the you know Alduin was re- replaced was taken from his his time because of the Elder Scroll, and then dropped into the time where your character lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what did he do? He he started going to all of the different dragon mounds and raising the dragons from the dead. Okay. So it's not like they had, I mean, it's, it's been well known that they were, they were completely wiped out totally. And, uh, you as the dragonborn killed them all. You killed Alduin. Mm. You, you killed all the ones he raised with the exception of, um, the, the one on the, on uh, high Rothgar. When you go back Parthenax. after killing Alduin. Yeah. If you spare Parthenax, he has followers that go with him. Okay. A large number, too. All right. So then there there is a way for, for dragons to come back. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and hell, who knows if we got all the ones that Alduin raised? Well, I, I think it's sort of assumed because every single time there's there's a dragon that they raise that Al- that Alduin raises, you're sort of there for it. So I see your point, but at the same time, you know, I, we're there every single time he raises a dragon and you kill him. So, right. you know, um, I, I see your point on, on, on the other thing. And I, I definitely get what you're trying to say. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's kind of played out and I wouldn't, I wouldn't really it's want kind of to see Skyrim's it. thing, huh? Yeah, it's kind of Skyrim's thing. It was it was the big problem at the time, and I I don't think it would fit in in another Elder Scrolls game in a big right. way. And if you're going to do dragons, you're going to do we, it in a big way. We all know that Elder Scrolls Six is going to be on Masser, and there's no dragons up there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> scrolls in space. Scrolls in space. All right, guys. Well, uh, fantastic. Uh, talking points everyone um but we've got an email here from phil bateman and uh lou would you be uh, kind enough to bring that up on the show please sure thing and phil writes in afternoon guys afternoon phil love the eso podcast never miss an episode oh. i am sure it's been addressed in the past but do you guys know how eso will address leveling and the astronomical numbers for dps and item type levels that other mmos let get out of control when leveling or will we never really feel this as an issue due to Skyrim Oblivion? Oh, sorry, due to the Skyrim slash Oblivion feel. Thanks again, guys. Love the show and the hours of entertainment. Oh, edu- edutainment. He made his own word there. Educational plus entertainment. You all provide. <laughs> and down with the cat and lizard people. Ah, oh, Phil B. No. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Dave? Um, it's an MMO. It needs to have numbers to be able to thrive as an MMO, to know when you get an upgrade, know when things are uh, moving forward and progressing. Uh, As for whether or not you'll see astronomical numbers, 
that's all relative. It really doesn't matter to me if they're astronomical or tiny as well as long as you get the boss dead. That's pretty much my opinion on it. Um, what do you think? Oh, I'm sorry, Dave. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to address the, the feel of Skyrim Oblivion kind of feel from what I had a chance to play. I, I know that it's absolutely, it feels like it's going down the right path. It has the Skyrim Oblivion Elder Scrolls feel. Okay. Uh, I mean, I I disagree with you, Dave. I I think well, that they you could. You look fat in those shorts. I'm not wearing shorts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think they could get away with um, having having hidden numbers and stats on on their on their items, um, with with a lot of people pretty much not caring. I care. Then again, uh, you you do have a point that it is an MMO, and those MMO uh, fans out there, especially the ones who want to competitively, you know, raid in quotes or, or get into that end game level uh, PVE stuff, they're definitely going to want to min max, and they're going to want to know how how they where they stand with with certain with their gear and their skills and all that. Those guys are jerks, aren't they? Yeah, that's you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on this point, Lou, I, what, what do you what do you see happening? Do you do you see do you see Elder Scrolls Online going going that way, like World of Warcraft certainly ushered in, or uh, do you do you think that they're going to kind of do their own own thing and figure out their own way around this, or do you even think it's not an issue at all for them? Maybe they're not even thinking about it. Well, uh, well, one of the points I, I want to uh, bring up from Phil is the fact that yeah, it, with what we had a chance to play at PAX PAX East. Okay. Um, you will definitely get the Skyrim Oblivion feel, without a doubt. You know, I just want to reiterate that you will always get that. You know, I, I felt, I, I'm sure as all you felt. You know, you felt that ease. You felt comfortable. You knew that you were in an Elder Scrolls game. Now, with the terms of uh, the leveling, and I guess the DPS and so forth, as Dave mentioned before, like yeah, I didn't really care about big numbers, but as a player. Maybe not as a as a min maxer or a hardcore competitive player, but I I do want to play my best, so I need to see improvement. Exactly. Okay, exactly. And not necessarily end game, you know, hardcore content. Every player needs to know that they're actually feel like they're accomplishing something. You know, like yeah, I just did an epic ten part story chain, and I got this dagger, and it barely cuts stale bread. You know, when you do something like that, you know, a player needs to feel a sense of accomplishment. You know, I, I went through all that work, all that effort, got my friends to help me out, my guild. You know, and, and you want something comparable. Sure. Okay. You know, and, and, you know, the big thing was, you know, with World of Warcraft, what it did, you know, I mean, World of Warcraft evolved on its own thing. Oh, it sure did. Uh, you know, it, it's... Its community went out of its way, you know, developed tons of mods for it. I mean, come on. Look yep. at Deadly Boss mods. Okay? <laughs> I think that's now like one of the must-haves if you're going to do competitive endgame rating in World of Warcraft. You know, someone on your guild and the raid team has to have that. Well, I'm sure there's there's competitive raid guilds out there that are that are definitely going to say, you know, no, we don't mm-hmm. like that kind of thing because it, it sort of means that you don't know what you're doing. I uh, know a competitive raid guild made up of only people who are deaf. They play by typing. 
they don't even have mumble server or anything. They they are that good. Wow, that's awesome. And they don't even need it. I love that. that that's amazing. They're so cool. That's great. Uh, the chat room is weighing in on this <laughs> as well. And darn, you know, I had a great thing here from Nod Silent. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, because of the way the Elder Scrolls is generally uh, the games, I doubt the the masses will go for that. Meaning, uh, they don't. He doesn't think that most people who play. Elder Scrolls and transition to ESO are, are going to go for you know literally scrolling numbers as you damage the character and you know tons of tons of uh, right. stuff. What, what is one of the one point we always bring in all the games we play? It's like you know what you know this is folks. This is one of Varn's favorite sayings. You know if it's dead, it's a win. It doesn't matter how we got there, as long as in the end the group, <laughs> exactly. the team, the guild killed the bloody thing. Right. That's cool. We killed it. <laughs> Rage Philosophy is saying because we're talking about Elder Scrolls 6, they're now going to announce it, just like what happened with the MMO. <laughs> I, I confirmed that in the chat room that that was all us. And you're welcome for ESO. Nobody else had a hand in creating that. Quite the turn of events. Paul Sage is going to beat me up after the show. He's definitely going to like donkey punch you directly in the nose. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, our next our next uh, topic of discussion up here is uh, PC Gamer Holiday Issue, the uh, the ESO cover. Now, as we stated at the top of the show, PC Gamer Holiday Issue has ESO on its front cover, and their nine page exclusive on their gameplay in Elsewhere is packed with screenshots and some really exciting information from a uh, non biased source. For fans that might be worried, ESO doesn't stack up next to the single-player games. Uh, here's a few quotes. Uh, Diviner on the Elder Scrolls forums had mentioned in the uh, in the ESO subforum that that came directly from from PC Gamer. Uh, and I quote: "This this comes from PC Gamer. I wouldn't have said this. I wouldn't have said this back when I played the game for the first time in March, but." The way you navigate the terrain in first person, plan each fight based more on positioning and tactics, more than hotbar rotation, and interact with small details in the scenery, such as manuscripts and containers. That's where it seems to have settled, and I couldn't be happier. Lou, uh, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now. The reason why I like this quote is because this is exactly what we've been talking about on the show since the way back in March and PAX East that, that we've, we've seen. And when it came to um, PAX and we, we had the ability to try first person perspective that was there. So let's, let's start with Lou. I mean, in your opinion, I mean, is this, is PC gamer right on with this? First of all, I, no, I don't even go there. Why is PC gamer? Why is this important to, um, to elder scrolls fans hearing this from PC gamer? Well, as someone mentioned in the channel, not silent, you know, I can trust PC Gamer. You know what? So do I. I mean, granted, there are lots of times when I don't agree with their opinions. You know, everything is subjective, even though they try to do their best to be objective. PC Gamer is one of those few outlets, media outlets, that I definitely do look to them for quality uh, reporting. Okay, we all know, you know, their backgrounds. Okay. And they're there. They want to express it. And over the years, got to remember they first came out. That's old I am. All right. I actually, you know, do follow what they say. Not blindly, but you know what? I, I do take their things, you know, with weight. 
They're a reputable because source. Over, right. Over the, over the, God, the two decades plus they've been around. Yeah. You know, I pretty much grew up with them. So, yeah, I, I've seen them go wax and wing through the years. But you know what? They're a source I can definitely turn to and say, you know what? They're reliable. They might not be the best source because maybe not agree with your opinion. But you know what? They're a reliable source of information and opinions. You know, that anyone can access. Uh, Dave, so, Super 508 in the chat room is asking, if there was no first person, would you guys not pick up the game? If, if there was no first person, I would have it already paid for at Best Buy. <laughs> As Shank goes, wow, someone just walked over me. His <laughs> shots fired, I know. <laughs> Why He's gonna, he feels a chill now. Games, I go, wow, someone just walked on me. <laughs> what, what, about, what about you, Lou? I mean, if there was no first person. Uh, I, I definitely be disappointed because, yeah. you know, as you all demonstrated, you know, it's one of the hallmarks of the Elder Scrolls games. You know, you, that perspective, both perspectives are there. Agreed. Definitely agreed. You know, what, would, I, would I be happy with the game if there was no, no first-person perspective? Not completely. Um, I Still play it, though. I would still play it, sure. But I, I would definitely feel like this doesn't really feel like Elder Scrolls without that first person. And I'm going to be completely honest, okay? Make fun of me. When they announced, when Matt Fire announced, you know what, guys? We're going to have it in at launch. First-person perspective will be there. I was so overwhelmed by the gesture that ZeniMax Online Studios uh, took from their player feedback and incorporated it and knew this is going to be a setback, but we're going to do it because everyone's saying we should. That gesture, I got a little emotional and I, I, I welled up a little bit with tears. I was extremely excited that this seems to be, in my my opinion the first time that we've really had a game company say we really are listening and now that we're building the game we're going to incorporate this stuff and even though it may be a setback for us for a little bit we know it's important i was very excited oh man yes he was folks believing <laughs> <laughs> i think i called lou uh this this one this one quote uh comes from paul sage and he he said in to pc gamer uh, the entire idea is that you can you can ignore us entirely, go off on your own, and do whatever you want. It's built to be completely non-linear, and obviously he's he's talking about the um, the gameplay here. You know, obviously, you know, Dave. I mean, uh, this is this is this is Elder Scrolls. You know, first-person perspective, non-linear format. <clears throat> is this an easy thing to do in an MMO? Okay, let me put it this way. I started when I played my first real MMO was WoW. When I started, I was an idiot that started on a PvP server. So if you went to a quest hub, you got killed. <laughs> I leveled strictly through grinding. It kind of fit my playstyle because I was coming from Fantasy Star Online where hold, that's hold on how a second, you leveled. Dave. I really want you to continue that that uh, thought for a minute, Dave. But Rage Philosophy just said something right here in the chat room that, that mm -hmm. grabs me, all right? When my world falls apart, I go to Tamriel. I'm telling you right now, that is how Elder Scrolls fans feel. Right there. That is it. It is a second home for some of us in game now. And I consider myself a new Elder Scrolls fan because I, I really started with, with Skyrim and then kind of went back. That's how Elder Scrolls game, gamers feel about Tamriel. And every iteration of the single-player games builds on that feeling. 
And Elder Scrolls Online has to hold up to that. You know what I'm saying? And with with some of these tenants that we're kind of throwing out there that PC Gamer is reporting on, I really honestly feel that fans of the single-player Elder Scrolls games can rest easy knowing that that feeling is going to be there for them. Sorry to cut you off, Dave, but I want you to continue. I disagree saying that, well, until the game fully releases, I have to disagree with you. That's something that, while I can take their word that it's completely free and open, what Rage Philosophy said goes hand-in-hand with what I'm saying. Rage Philosophy is saying that he can go anywhere and do whatever in his his ES Elder Scrolls games. ESO, they say you can go wherever, do whatever. Now, in my gameplay, I grinded. I loved grinding out enemies where I killed enemy after enemy after enemy just to get the experience for it. Now, let's say, hypothetically, that I do love Tamriel. That I want to just go to the, the some crazy pit on the other side of the continent, will I be able to walk through all of this area and survive? Well, some would argue that if I can't go wherever I want and attack something and be on a, a you know a nose-to-nose basis with them in terms of power and defense, then I really can't go everywhere. But you gotta figure, it's an MMO. It's completely open in your area. It's completely open. The only thing stopping you from going where you want is you. Your power level. Your level. Your amount of skill in a certain thing. Now, yes, those are gateways to try to bring you into certain areas, but once you get past that point, you honestly can and should go anywhere you want. And that would be a great feeling. And that's, I'm worried because I I don't want to think, hey, I would like to go into this next area, but I can't because I'm too weak. They'll squash me like a bug. Right. That makes me feel like I can't go into that next area. Well, Nod Silent in the chat room is, is answering you, Dave, and he says, to be honest, Dave, you, you can't go everywhere in the beginning of, of your Skyrim game either. I completely agree. Try taking a walk straight to uh, Win- Winterhold right at the beginning of the game. You'll get you'll get torn apart. Um, okay, so on this next quote here from, from PC Gamer... Um, on how elsewhere felt. Now, like I said at the beginning of this, they they were pl- they were actually playing in elsewhere, which is like freaking awesome. Um, <laughs> and on how it felt to them, they said it was like setting foot in a new country for the first time. Lou, would you say that a that's what it should feel like, and b that you felt that way playing a an Elder Scrolls game before? Well, to both the points, yes. Um, it's that's definitely the feeling that they have to capture in all their games. And, you know, so I'm glad they actually said that because you know what? When you play the, all these Elder Scrolls games, you definitely are you're in a different land. Yeah, you're you're all on Nern, you're in Tamriel, but you know what? You're in a different land, different area, different peoples, 
and you should get that feeling of where am I? You know, what is a strange place I'm in? Yeah. Um, you know, because that's a great feeling. Knowing like, you know, you know, I just came back I just came from playing Arena, Daggerfall, you know, Morrowind, Oblivion. And the first time I loaded up Skyrim, oh my god. There's snow and I can't see anything in front of me. What no. <laughs> After I got past the intro. <laughs> you know, sitting in the cart. Um but yeah, you should definitely I think that's wonderful that they that they can convey that kind of feeling, you know, at this point to to these people. You know. And you probably have people who've played other Elder Scrolls games. So for them to actually say, yeah, I felt like, you know, I stepped in a brand new world. You know, for new players, veteran players, jaded players to say, yeah, I felt, it felt brand new. I felt good walking in there. That's a great feeling. Uh, the, the next quote I want to I wanna throw out is, is this one right here. For all its visible zippers and seams that give it away as an MMO... ESO feels engrossing and full of promise in ways nothing else the genre has. Powerful, right, Lou? Yes, that's a very, yeah, it's a very powerful statement. They're actually... Tell me why. Well, considering that the stable of MMOs that are out there now and coming up in the future, I mean, the veritable juggernaut World of Warcraft is there. Right. You know, and the other modes that are presently out there, you know, like EverQuest 2, EverQuest 1 is still out there. Um, you know, Star Wars Old Republic, Rift, Lord of the Rings Online, all these MMOs that have, you know, that have different types of fantasy settings, sci-fi settings that, appeal, that can appeal to any, any gamer. You know, for all that, you know, it's that, that breadth and expanse of what the, what's out there, and for them to say, you know what, it's got something that none of these games that are out there can offer you. you know, that, that certain that certain thing or feeling or, or experience that somehow, you know, uh, doing a heroic raid in World of Warcraft, something that you know, doing the five man heroic runs in in Rift, you know, or, or doing the the. The epic story quest in Lord of the Rings Online that's saying they're saying, yeah, you know what, this game has got has got it, has got something that any one of you playing these games cannot get in those games. You know that where there's a feeling or, or excitement or something, you know. Yeah. Uh, Dave, on this on this point, PC Gamer is is basically saying in this quote, and I, I'm going to read it again. I'll read it one more time. All right. Um, scroll back up here. Uh, for all of its visible zippers and seams that give it away as an MMO, ESO feels engrossing and full of promise in ways nothing else the genre has. Nothing else the genre has. This is this is PC gamer saying saying this. All right, tell me tell me why this is tell me why this is important. Why people should care about that. You should probably take yourself off mute there, but well, no, I'm trying to think. Um... <laughs> Okay, here's the thing, is that no matter what was said earlier, what they're saying now is, yes, it is an MMO. That, yes, it has certain MMO qualities that you're going to just have to expect that come with being an MMO. But on top of that, everything that's put together, in the cocktail that it's put together, in the way that it's delivered, 
is something that you don't see from every other game. And then now this is coming from PC gamer who we've already decided was was reputable. They're right. reputable because of this being the genre that basically gamers play on PCs. MMOs are huge. It's difficult to come across someone who isn't strictly single player video game player who's a PC player who hasn't played an MMO at some time. And for them to say, above all else, is that ESO feels engrossing and full of promise in no way, in, in, in ways that no other MMO can give you, that's, that's actually saying something. I agree. And I, I think... We have always felt this way on the show, um, and it's really awesome to have, um, uh, you know, a reputable magazine like PC Gamer come on out there and say kind of the same thing that we've always said on this show, which is, this feels like the next big thing, or, or one of the next big things, and not like that's important, because honestly, we'll, we'll continue to do this show and play ESO, because we, we love it, and not necessarily because it's it's a popular MMO, Um I don't care if it, if we're the only people in that game or if there's lots and lots of people in the game. What I, what I care about is that it feels like Elder Scrolls. But it's nice to know that there's a lot of people out there that are getting this idea that, like, you know, holy cow, if MMOs start building their game kind of in this way, what you have here is, is, a, new, is a new linchpin, a new, a new cornerstone, a new turning point in the way MMOs run. I think, and I told Paul Sages in October, I told him, you got the next big thing here. I still feel that way, and I sort of feel like PC Gamer is kind of saying that in their own way. Closing arguments, guys. Start with Lou. Well, what PC Gamer has here is that they've given, I guess, a good a good start for the game. You know, they, they, they've said, you know what, this game is offering quite a bit, you know, a new experience, uh, for both, again, the, the veteran MMO players and the single-player Elder Scrolls gamers that are out there, that the game is trying to appeal to both. And for them to actually step up and say, you know what, it's going to be – this is how we felt. You know, I, I do like what they said here. I mean, it's something positive, um, and they're, they're willing, I guess, to take a slight risk by what, the, by what these statements are. Okay, you know, A pizza gamer has seen what they've seen, and they're saying, you know what? This is what we feel right now, and I'm glad they put that out there. Uh, and again, hopefully it's uh, assuaging the fears of other players who are afraid to look at this game or won't touch it because of one thing or another. Again, hopefully this will get those players off that fence you know, and have them look into it and give it a shot. Dave, closing arguments? One thing was said in the chat room is that uh, I remember hearing the excitement. Oh, it scrolled past it. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing the excitement about Swotor and reading similarish statements. And I'll tell you one thing right now: that if the leveling process in ESO pulls me in as much as the leveling process did in Swotor, then I will be completely content. Now. ESO better have some damn good in-game 
<laughs> instead of Slotor. Slotor is sure. in-game guild of Warmer. Which we, we but, spoke about last last week. Exactly. And I'm really hoping they give some word on that. But honestly, Slotor was amazing for its single player. Some of the best storylines. I loved playing Slotor single player. Oh, yeah. Loved it. Loved yeah. it. Loved it. Loved it. In fact, I'm... But then again, I'm a Knights of the Old Republic junkie, so... um but you know eso if they tell me that it's swotor with an end game then i'm already sold right there but they're telling me from this statement is that it has all that and more and and this is why this is why we had said last week that i think one of the most important things that we need to be hearing from zenimax right now and bethesda is what's the end game going to be like? Because right now, everyone's saying it's just all PvP, and I don't believe that. I can't believe that, because one of the things that they've said is there's going to be a lot of large group PvE content, as well as, you know, two other, you know, huge faction territories that you can explore, as if it were a single-player game. So... We need to hear more of this because I think that's going to take um, a lot of criticism in the community right now and sort of allay those fears. Like, guys, yes, your leveling experience is going to be fantastic and PvE is going to be fantastic. But for those of you out there who are really interested in raiding, here's our answer to the solution. And let take my hand. Let me walk you through this. Let me show you what we have because I really think it's going to knock your socks off. That's the message I think we need to hear now coming from Zenimax and, and Bethesda. Okay. Um, I know we've been kind of talking your ear off, uh, and hopefully the, uh, the, the conversation has been, has been engaging. Um, but we, we have a dev question of the week. Yay. And, uh, let's, let's, let's get into that a little bit and, and, uh, take a bit of a break here. So, Hi, I'm Luke Samuels. I'm the Network Operations Center lead for ZeniMax Online Studios. Here's your question of the week. Imagine this. A well-dressed man appears in front of you. He offers you a fork, a staff, and a block of cheese. He promises you a great reward if you choose one, take it to the next village over, and plant it in the market square. Would you do it? What do you think would happen if you did? Interesting question. To say the least, um, it, it was a little low on my end, and we'll have to catch it in post production. Um, I'm not sure if you guys or even maybe even the chat room really heard it. If you didn't, I can certainly uh, well just repeat it. You know, reiterate. So here's here's the um, yeah, it looks like it was a little low. I'm sorry about that. All right, so so here's the question of the week. Um, you are. A wanderer in Tamriel and a very well-dressed man approaches you, offers you a fork, a staff, and a, and a wheel of cheese, and says, I want you to go into the next town over and, and put it somewhere uh, in the marketplace. And you're going to be rewarded handsomely for this, this deed. What do you do? Let's go with Dave. <laughs> well, first off, he, he's Shiagora, okay? I can tell you that right off the top of my head. And he's going to kill somebody by throwing them a million feet up in the air and letting them drop to their death. 
So just be glad it isn't you. Just grab the first one that, that comes to mind, set it down, and walk away. Just hope to God that you can get away before he kills you. <laughs> Again, Lou, uh, a well-dressed man approaches you. Here's a fork, here's a staff, here's a wheel of cheese. Pick one of these, go into the next town over, marketplace, drop it in there. I'll reward you handsomely for doing just that. What do you do? I do it. You know why? Because <laughs> some of the best stories, <laughs> some of Starts the best with a unicorn misadventures a you can have, <laughs> occur from things like just like this. Like, okay, you know what? I'm feeling daring. I'm feeling brave. But what why do you pick, Lou? What do you pick? <laughs> What do you, which one of these three items do you pick? Uh, you know what? I would probably... Hmm. Wait, was it all three, or did you have to pick one of them? Just one of them. Okay, a fork, one of them? Okay. a staff, and a wheel of cheese. You know what? I would probably take the staff. Take the staff, right? Take Dave. the staff, lay in the marketplace. Yeah, there's because... a chance it's uh, the Webberjack. Yeah, that's right. What, what about what about you, Dave? Which one do you grab? Yeah, there's a chance it's the Webberjack. <laughs> so you grab the staff. <laughs> um, me, I, I don't want to get mixed up in any of this. You know, I don't. I don't like. Oh, I don't like trouble. Uh, hold on, I have an out. Okay, I have. I have an out for you guys, and I'm going to trap myself. Um, personally, I would. I would say no thanks. I don't want any trouble. Move along. Get some other sucker. Now, right. if if the guy Darwin's the guy that gets dropped from five hundred feet in the air, <laughs> sure, grants punishment. <laughs> if there was some, come up whatever way you possibly can come up with. If there was some way that I absolutely had to to do this, okay, um, the you know the guy says whatever you can come up with that puts me in a position where I I can't just walk away. Um, I would choose the wheel of cheese. <laughs> really? Why why the cheese over the fork? Um, I can't answer that. What I can answer is I would think the staff is magical. So I'm sort of wondering that I'm, I'm sort of expecting it to be extremely powerful. Um, okay. I, I'm expecting all three of these things to be extremely powerful, to be honest. Well, honestly, but... if, you, if you look at the three, the staff, it probably is magical because come on, magic staff. The cheese could be magical, could be poisonous. It could taste magical. Oh, my. Yes. And so, honestly, the most <laughs> innocuous thing out of the three is the fork. But have you ever seen somebody stabbed with a fork? It's horrifying. So you really have no good choice here. I watched I watched, uh, I watched. watched Yuri Geller bend a fork with his mind once. See, that would make me crap myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would choose the cheese because I'm expecting... You know, some some like huge cataclysm, and uh, I would I would feel I would love the fact that a giant cataclysm befell a town simply because it was a wheel of cheese, <laughs> simply because you wanted to make fondue. Oh, great! Right. Thanks a lot. Thanks. <laughs> great. Man, it's it's bad we don't have Shank with us here tonight because he'd say he wouldn't do any of them. He'd just peace out. He would peace out. He would. He'd, he'd be that guy. Out. He'd be like, you know no, what? No, no, no. He, he'd peace out and park all three items and sell them. What's that, Lou? <laughs> Shank would find a way to take, try to try negotiate and haggle. Well, why can't I get all three, man? And then try and sell them <laughs> on his own. That's what Shank would do. He'd turn it into a profit somehow. He probably would. <laughs> he, he would. He absolutely would. That is Shank. Let's. Uh, we've got we've got three emails here down on the bottom, and then I want to get into the crafting table, and then um, obviously the Elder Scroll, and finish up. But. uh Let's let's start with uh, Jack A's 
email for for this week. Go ahead, Lou. Which, by the way, Jack A is a is a, uh, a prolific emailer. I think we got hit up by him this week like ten different times. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely like a fantastic fan. I love this guy. So so email us email us, Jack. Don't don't feel don't feel uh, shy, and I'm sure you don't. <laughs> All right, from Jack A. He writes, Dear ESOTR, Hey, it's Jack A again. While looking through Tamriel Foundry, I noticed something about the medium, heavy, light armors. The absence of juggernaut and skills similar as in Skyrim where you increase your armor by 20% or so every time. The same goes for archery and one-handed, etc. Does that mean that the only way to increase your flat armor or weapon rating is through smithing or your overall level with armor skills and weapon skills? Thanks. Jack A. So what do you got on this, Lou? Well, Jack, from what you know, we'd seen, uh, you know, from PAX East, okay, and you know, from what tidbits we got from the developers, all right, you know, uh, with any of the skills there, the only way you can improve that skill is to actually use the appropriate tool or gear for that skill. Meaning, you know, if you want to increase your heavy armor skill. You know, you're going to have to don the heavy armor. You're going you're to have to wear the heavy armor pieces, take the hits, <laughs> okay? <laughs> take the hits as with anything, you know, and increase your skill that way. Same thing with a uh, magical staff, okay, whether it's fire, you know, frost, lightning, what have you. If you want to increase your staff skills, your stave skills, you have to use that staff, okay? There's no, you know, there's no overall, you know, general pool of, of, uh, of skill. Like, no, if you use a weapon... All your weapon skills go up. No, you have to use that particular weapon. Like, if you want to master in one weapon, you have to use it. There's no getting away around that. And, you know, uh, hopefully that, that helps answer his question. Uh, the chat room is is uh, throwing a bunch of funny little questions out here. Mercurio of Tamriel is saying, oh, no, who's the huge G? It's it's uh, it's you, Mark. You, you, you are the huge G. Are you allowed to give out the huge G award? This you know week? what? I'm doing it. It's done. Wow, <laughs> dude. You know, he, he is because someone else decided they'd rather go pick up the PS4. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nod Silent is saying, mark my words, he's a writer for the network in about three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. And uh, let's see what Zathork's got to say here. Uh, Shia Garath. Hold on, the chat room's moving kind of kind of quickly now. Uh, Shiagarath savored the act of driving mortals insane or making them perform actions which can be seen as trivial or silly. He's completely unpredictable and often comments in nonsensical or otherwise uh, otherwise socially unacceptable statements. He often refers to the removal of entrails. He is also obsessed with cheese, almost hysterically so in, obliv- in Oblivion. So, Zathork, uh, that's some pretty interesting stuff on Shiagarath there. So, Dave, it looks like you're... you're. I called it. You called it. Yeah. You called it. Called an MMO. Called Shiagorath. Half-Life 3 announced. You know? I think maybe Dave is the huge G. Master. <laughs> I got it, man. <laughs> Uh, Liz in the chat room is saying, no, the huge G award goes to Captain Nibbles. <laughs> that, that's her cat, by the way. Is that her cat, Captain Nibbles? Yeah, it's a stray cat it. that, that she's thinking of adopting now. <laughs> Liz, I want you to put the cat up to your, your PC speakers. 
right now so he can hear very, very closely. Okay? All right. Got it? Captain Nibbles, run. Call the police. <laughs> okay, that's it, Liz. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> Dave, uh, can you get the next email from Musclehead007? Oh, yeah. He says, hello and greetings to the hosts of ESOTR. I just got done listening to the ESO Alliance with Force. He stole my name. And episode 87 character creation podcasts. And I have a quick opinion question for everyone to hopefully discuss on the show. My question is that since whenever a Khajiit is born, the phases of Masser and Secunda dictate the Khajiit's physiology. Do y'all think... I love the use of y'all in there. Proper readers. <laughs> Do y'all think that Zoss... No carpetbaggers here. <laughs> uh, Do y'all think that Zoss would put... A at least a handful of different Khajiit forms in, into ESO. I am personally a fan of the Khajiit. Khajiit? Khajiiti? Khajiiti. Cat people. And would love to have a greater choice in character creation. Thank you all for putting so much effort into the show. Musclehead007. Well, uh, Mr. Mr. Head007, um, or Muscle, I... <laughs> I will. I will say this: there. I don't think Zoss is going to lean that way. Although, if they if they did if they did incorporate the um, the phases of Master and Segunda into um, Kajiti creation, I, I think that would be fantastic. Though, I would think it would have to be a um, a way that doesn't affect your gameplay. It would have to be like a visual way, a fun way, a visual way, but nothing that's, that's too. Isn't there one odd combination that makes the mounts? I don't believe so. <laughs> I thought there was like some of them, like become tigers. Some of them become looking like lynxes and other ones end up being like on all fours, like mounts. Jin wants Battle Cat and He-Man then, I guess. He-Man. <laughs> <laughs> but there, yeah, but, there is. There's like a ton of different types depending on the moon phases. I think that'd be cool. Like depending on your birthday that you, when you sign up for the account, your birthday dictates based on what moon phase it would be the type of uh, Khajiit that, you, that you're colored with. That would be so cool. Oh, it'd be cool, but it would also limit your creation process when you create your character. That said, I mean, there's a ton of sliders that that dictate the certain port, uh, the proportions of certain parts of your body. Right, butt sliders. Right, there's a butt slider. There's a hand slider. Make your hands big, and your feet big in that game, which yeah, I, I kind of like actually. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Because Lou. someone here has enormously <laughs> large feet. Freaking ridiculous, man. <laughs> you know what? You know what someone told me once. I was a uh, little little fourteen year old of Arwen is is running around the shoe store looking for shoes for his size fourteen mm -hmm. feet at the time, and so what do you you can't find them? What do you do? You know, Mister Salesman, Mister Salesman, yeah, what do you want, kid? You have size fourteen? No, kid, they don't stretch the leather that far. Get out of my face! I'm like, are you kidding? Me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was size Jerk. thirteen all the way through high school, bro. I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, big toe. <laughs> What do you got, Lou? I'm sorry to cut you off with this stupid story. <laughs> uh, I, I just wanted to emphasize your point. You know, Dave has a great point. It'd be a great uh, little feature, neat feature to have for character creation. But also to your point, 
it would also bring something we, we, we would hate in the ESO, any else was name, limitations. But then again, I guess it's something players would understand, realize, you know what? If you're going to create a Khajiiti character under this type of moon, under these set of stars, you only have access to X amount of, you know, color, fur variations. Because, you know, it, it, to fit with the lore, you know, typically in the past, Khajiiti born under these stars and this moon have this, you know, this, I- this coloration, this this striation, this, this these patterns. I would be, I would be okay with during character creation. You sort of manipulate, um, you know, Master and Segunda's phases, play with them and in order to get certain options, right? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. the, the different, the deeper, the lighter shades of color, the type of striping you can get, if striping at all. Yeah, Segunda from left to right to change patterns, move Master up and down to change coloration. Right, right. I think that would be kind of. <laughs> kind of cool or as you're changing your character like you know his proportions his coloring the you know the way his face looks you see in the in the foreground behind your character the 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 moon sort of like moving throughout the 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 background that he stands in to to match like okay you're going with this color fur with these striations and this size head so your match is going to be here it's going to be there in different phases i think that would be kind of a cool idea as well um, okay, so our, our final email this, uh, this, this week comes from Nis, who says, Hi, is ESOTR crew. First, I want to tell you that I love the show. I've been listening since the release of episode zero. But now, to the reason why I emailed in. This might have already been discussed and answered already. If so, I apologize. However, how will the loot from enemies be shared fairly? Say I wanted to be a full healer, buffer and debuffer. I would do practically nothing to the enemy, so I might get next to nothing from the enemy's corpse. But I healed my friends a lot. Am I not seeing something? You're sincerely, Nis. Um, Nis, so here's here's how it's going to work, okay? <clears throat> You're, um, they've already said that loot's going to be instanced. So what that means is... Uh, when you finally down the boss, everyone gets a share of loot that's assigned to to their character. It's not like you down the boss and he dropped item one, two, and three. It's more like you down the boss and now you have items one, two, and three, and then your friend has items, you know, uh, four, five, and six, and then the other friend has, you know, seven, eight, and nine. That's kind of how it's going to work. Everyone has uh, their own their own loot table, I suppose, or it, it rolls differently. Uh, to, for each character, um, Dave, did I did I did I say that right? I mean, am I wrong on the anything? The only here? thing you're missing is that loot given to a party is shared throughout the party. So if you're in a party with someone, even if you didn't do direct damage to the enemy, if they tagged the enemy and have defeated it and have gotten the chance to loot the enemy, so that they have achieved you know the chance to loot then everyone in the party has that chance to loot. When when Lou and I were playing together, if I looted the enemy and there was something on it, now this was before they said they were going to implement the, well, this was like right before they were going to implement the, the uh, individualized looting. But when I looted something, if it was above a certain rarity, he saw it as well. It popped up. Okay. MPS 1969 is saying, so when you get crap loot, at least no one ninja'd yours. 
Oh, yeah, well. exactly. <laughs> it's your crap loot and all yours. <laughs> no one else. Is. Yes, finally, whites. Right. So it's it's nobody's <laughs> fault but your own if you know you you kill the boss and and didn't see what what dropped. It's on you. It's on. It's on you, bro. It's totally on you. All right. Uh, let me. Uh, th- this. This. Uh, then. We now can can move along to the crafting table. Now, last week I I forgot to post a link, <laughs> so we had we had Shank uh, report on the wonderful uh, the wonderful mod that he he absolutely detested. And, uh, sorry about that, Shank. Uh, this week, however, we're going to kind of start a, uh, anew. So we're going to have a brand new link. And I'm going to post it right here in chat. And I choose Dave. Oh, God. What is it? And let me get it up here. Let's see. The live stream is seeing this now. QGM Pokemon. Marwa <gasps> chooses Dave. Dude, I just made a new character. Why do you keep giving me new character races? <laughs> so, so why don't you tell That's us what, what you got going on there, Dave? That's actually pretty neat. It's isn't that um, nifty. What it is? It's the Star Wars Jedi races for Skyrim. <laughs> it adds new abilities, new spells, new races, and asks you to include other mods as well. Well, here's the thing. What, there's a description right here on the on the bottom. Mm-hmm. You got that? Uh, no. No? All right. So then I'll... I'll Oh, you got it? Okay. Yeah, I got it. Uh, no, I don't. (laughs) I'm lost. Go for it. Okay. So the Jedi are trained to use the force through massive, through passive meditation, practicing selflessness and commitment to justice while at the same time rejecting emotions such as passion, fear, anger, and hate. The traditional weapon is the lightsaber, a device which emits a blade-like controlled plasma flow. So you get um, you get abilities and spells. Uh, the Living Force, The Force, Jedi Healer, Jedi Mind Trick, Jedi Resistance. Um, and there's also some uh, some mods that they list as well that uh, you may want to be you may want to check out. You know, this is going to get me to install Magic as Sabers Expanded again, right? Yeah, that's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's something he lists, and he says here uh, mods, mods to get for this for a more immersive Star Wars experience. Magic of Sabers expanded. Uh, Galen Marek, aka Star Killer outfit. You can get Secunda to look like the Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> That's no moon. You know, it isn't. It's a space station. <laughs> That's no moon. There, there you have it, Dave. I, I saw that and I instantly thought of you. Oh, that's awesome. I'm just driving. <laughs> MPS is saying, yeah, that's lore friendly. <laughs> 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 and uh, CS, uh, CS Bar Barra here is saying, uh, greetings, QGN. Hello there. Thanks for coming on in. Oh my! I guess Jabba the Hutt would be a giant Argonian. So, 
that brings us on over to the Elder Scroll. And we've got a, a very, very interesting Elder Scroll up for for this week. This is Lou's part two of his uh, segment from last week. And without further ado, I give the floor over to our lore master, Louis Olan. Thank you, kind sir. And as everyone just mentioned, this is part two. Remember last week, we started with vampires. The undead feasting on the blood of the living. Well, here's the second part. Vampirism is contracted through any sort of wounds afflicted by a vampire. However, since few survive attacks from a vampire, the actual contraction process is not understood well. The newly infected will exhibit no symptoms for the first 72 hours, except perhaps nightmares and insomnia, and it can be cured of the disease like any other ailment. After that time, however, the disease is said to be incurable. The disease causes one to die, making a vampire literally undead. Despite this, there are many documented cases of individuals who found the means to cure themselves, as we will discuss further. Although a vampire spreading its disease to another can be seen as a form of reproduction, at least one male vampire has been documented to have fathered a child with a living partner. The Journal of the, of the Lord Leviticus recounts how an imperial impregnated an orc woman, resulting in a male orc child, but it is unknown if the child inherited the disease or any part of it. The disease is thought to be incurable by the donor of Morrowind. However, a buoyant orager named Gala Rathari claimed that he was cured of the disease. In his papers, the orager states that while he was a vampire, he undertook a task for Molag Ball at a shrine, and after the completion of the quest, he was cured of vampirism. Rathari later disavowed his claim due to coercion for the Tribunal Temple. At least one other has successfully sought a cure for Molag Ball, though the Dejic Prince actually acquired, uh, has, I'm sorry, actually acquired the cure from Vermina. This suggests that Vermina is somehow connected with vampirism also, which is somewhat compatible with her sphere of evil omens. It is said that at least some forms of vampirism can be cured by eliminating the blood father of the applicable bloodline. Finding and eliminating a blood father is very difficult, but by doing this, the whole clan of vampires will also be cured. Some of them may, may die instantly as a result of old age. Bummer. Another report from a supposedly cured vampire also suggests that curing the disease is possible, although it gives no clues as to how. One method to cure the disease involves bathing in water containing a mysterious ingredient known as purge blood salts. The witches of Elite Bay caught the attention of the Mages Guild by apparently curing the disease. The cure is a potion, consisting of six cloves of garlic, two shoots of bloodgrass, five leaves of nightshade, the blood of Argonian, Happy Shank, and the ashes of a powerful vampire. These same ingredients were used to cure Count Skingrad's comatose wife, Rona Hasildor, of her vampirism. One method for combating the spread of vampirism, which is now lost to history, was a potion which turned the drinker's blood into a powerful poison capable of killing a vampire which attempted to feast. There are tales, no, however, the veracity of which can't be determined, that there are other mystical ways of curing vampirism. The vampires of Tamriel are commonly grouped by their territory and bloodline. A vampire's bloodline is determined by the vampire who infected it, which in turn affects its abilities. Some vampires have created clans according to bloodline and territory. These clans normally consist of vampires of the same bloodline or who share the same feeding grounds. 
Some clans are powerful enough to have established strongholds and regularly feed off captured cattle prisoners, or thralls, who they feed off regularly without turning them into vampires. The wet fang vampires of Black Marsh are known to capture victims alive and keep them in a magic-induced coma, allowing the vampires to extract blood at their own leisure. The Order of Vampires of Cyrodiil believe the wet fang vampires to show signs of enlightenment, regarding them as more intelligent than the other barbaric tribes. For this reason, the Order considers them a possible threat to their dominance in Cyrodiil. I'll get to them in a minute, folks. Only one tribe exists in Cyrodiil. They are experts at concealment, the true name lost in history. Much like the Imperials, they ousted the competition. Indistinguishable from living, if well-fed, the Cyrodiilic vampires are cultured and more civilized than vampires of other provinces, using their stealthy abilities to feed on the sleeping and unaware. Calling themselves the Order, these vampires follow the Dajic prince kinfather Molag Ball, like many other vampires. But they also consider Clavix Vile their patron. Members are bound never to reveal themselves or the order, and to procure power, stature, and wealth whenever possible. The Illic Bay region hosts nine bloodlines of vampires, each with their own special abilities. The Anthotis, the Garlithi, the Harvenu, the Kulari, the Larezi, the Matalian, the Selenu. Thrafe and Vrasath. The clans inhabit their own regions, and a strong sense of rivalry is present. At least seven vampires, however, became soldiers in an army of undead, which <laughs> ruled over the barony of Juanan around the Third Era, year 253. The Moral Wid vampires live in the Britain cities of High Rock, though no information about their abilities or feeding habits is known. It is known, however, that they are one of the tribes considered more intelligent and threatening by the Order Vampires of Cyrodiil, possibly implying that, like the Order, they live disguised among the normal population as stealthy manipulators. The Dunmer are strongly opposed to any forms of necromancy, thus vampires are largely unknown in the land of Morrowind. The Tribunal Temple has some control over the population of vampires, but cannot keep it completely unknown. In the past, ordinators and buoyant armagers were in charge of eradicating vampires, leading to their supposed extinction. Thus, the hunting orders that exist in western Tamriel are unknown. The vampires of Morrowind are typically in one of three bloodlines, which differ in, in accordance to their approach to prey. The Quara are aggressive and fierce when it comes to hunting, while the Burn clan prefer a stealthier approach. The Undead bloodline consists of vampiric mages, who use the dark powers associated with vampirism to entrap prey. These vampires not only have their own strongholds, but are also dispersed amongst the Dajic shrines and abandoned Dunmer and Dwemer strongholds. Ironically, these clans show great hostility to newborn vampires, considering them abominations as their living counterparts do. In the Red Mountain, the Ash Vampire was an immortal magical being of vast power. They were close kin and loyal lieutenants of Dagoth Ur, and thus partook of his supernatural vitality, but they were not related to true vampires. In fact, they were not even undead. Near the end of the Third Era, the number of vampires began to rise in Morrowind, leading to renewed calls to exterminate them. Ah, yes, the Volcahar. The Volcahar vampires of Eastern Skyrim live under haunted, frozen lakes and only leave their dens to feed. 
They have the power to freeze their victims with icy breath and can reach through the ice with their frozen legs in their dens without breaking the ice. They are the earliest known vampire covered in Tamriel. The Volcahar vampires are relatively similar in appearance to those of Cyrodiil, and they share some similar powers, such as night vision, the ability to turn invisible, and the ability to seduce others. Holy crap! <laughs> Certain Volcahar vampires, however, appear more monstrous than their Cyrodiil counterparts. Some of them have large brow ridges, slits running through their lips and bat-like noses, and they have powers which aren't shared by the vampires of Cyrodiil. They can reanimate dead bodies and do not burn when in sunlight, although they weaken by it. The Volcahar have been known to employ death hounds as guardians. Some of the more ancient Volcahar vampires, such as those of the court at Castle Volcahar, are pure-blooded and can even transform themselves into a romantic form, the large, winged vampire lords which were blessed by Molag Bal himself. This gift grants further powers, such as the ability to summon gargoyles. It is said that Potema, the wolf queen, relied upon such vampiric generals in the latter days of the War of the Red Diamond. Man, those guys are ridiculous. <laughs> yes, they are. Like, all the other ones are like, yeah, they hang out with mortals, they try to blend in. Yeah, they're, they're really kind of hunted, so we don't know much about them because they really like to hide well. Oh, yeah, these guys only sneak in when you're sleeping. Volkahar, they'll freeze your ass and eat you. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> it's like, I could deal with that, I could deal with that, I could deal with that, and I crap myself. <laughs> these HG are the Vipiric Serpent Folk, native to Akavir, who, according to legend, long ago ate all the men of that land. It is unknown if the reputation as vampire snakes is literal or metaphorical, though, like conventional vampires, they are purportedly immortal. In northern Valenwood, there are the Bonsamu vampires, which are indistinguishable from normal Bosmer unless seen by candlelight. The Kirlith, who can disintegrate into mist, the Yekhef, who swallow men whole, and the Talboth, who prey on children, take their place in the family and eventually murder all of the family members. And this concludes our quick look into vampires. And I want I want to say thank you to the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages, the Elder Scrolls Wiki, and the Imperial Library for the enormous amount of information they have out there on the lore of vampires. Hope you all enjoyed it. If you really want to dig in, read some more of the great stuff I have out there, go to their sites, take a look at them. All right. Uh, thanks very much, Lou. That was fantastic as always. I really, uh, I really enjoyed your your first your first iteration of that last week, <laughs> actually. And Man, I was looking forward to this one. Scarier the more he went on with that. Did you notice? I, I noticed, especially him. <laughs> freezing them and eating them part was was quite interesting. Um. So it's the bottom of the show, and and I, I would be remiss if we did not talk about our sponsors. Um, but I first want to want to shout out uh, our one of our fan sponsors, uh, who who actually just uh, just sent us a donation. And I just received it now. So so uh, big props to uh, Bamzak Six, who says uh, Bamzak Six here from the Order of the Talons, an Aldmeri Dominion Guild. We've been around following the QGN and value their opinions. If you're looking for some friends to chat with on a daily basis, you can find us at orderofthetalons.engine, that's E-N-J-I-N, 
com. So, Bamzak6, thank you very much. We really appreciate your uh, your sponsor for for uh, this week. Also, uh, we are sponsored by TweakedAudio.com. Uh, TweakedAudio.com, we, we talk about them on every show that we do. They're a huge network sponsor of ours. And, and uh, so if you listen to us, you know what they are. Uh, they are uh, awesome, awesome headphone makers. They make uh, great headphones. And uh, they're, they're a quality-driven product. And by that, I mean that the sound quality that you get out of these, these Tweaked Audio uh, headphones which obviously, you know, again, I am, I am wearing, <laughs> they, um, they're, they're top-notch quality. They sound fantastic. Shipping is free. You get, uh, with our code off the record, you'll get 30% off your entire order from, uh, from tweakedaudio.com. Definitely check them out. If you're in the market to get some new headphones, you can't get a better pair, honestly. I mean, these things are extremely durable. Like I've, like I say all the time, they've got this nice, like flat cord here. It's kind of rubberized, keeps it from tangling. Uh, there's a, a button over here as well. Uh, that's an inline microphone. You can, uh, obviously use, use the microphone, but there's a little button here that helps with your cell phone. You click this once you can, you know, pick up a phone call or, or hang up as well. Uh, really just durable sounds fantastic and, um, very, very functional. So thank you to tweakedaudio.com as well. That's it guys. That's the show. That is that is the show. And uh, while Dave uh, scratches his face, <laughs> I'm actually picking my teeth. I got something stuck right there. Oh, that's classy. Why are you picking your teeth there, Dave? Why don't you? <laughs> see, that's what you have me eating a chop soup. This is see. This is what happens when well, you do was... radio for a long time. You're not used to video yet. <laughs> yeah. Usually, I can scratch myself and eat things, and that's Chinese right there. And it was really good, but it's staying in there. And trying to keep me tasting it because it was that good. Uh, it's the meal that just keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dave, what are your final thoughts on this episode? <laughs> My final thoughts are I'll never get that little piece out without flossing. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> My final thoughts is honestly, I would love to see moon signs come into play when it comes to Khajiit. Even if it's something that just affects them in game, based on the moon, that during that period of time in game, I feel that that would be great. And Lou, I really enjoyed our, I, I guess our foray into again birth predictions, the Elder Scrolls Six. Uh, I know we all, all three of us had a lot to contribute, and especially the chat room. You know, all their ideas that came flowing out there, and at one point, I hope that. Uh, Somewhere out there, you know, Bethesda is taking a hard look at, at what the community is saying the past couple of years. Saying, you know what, this is what we hope for for the next Elder Scrolls game. You know, give it to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, give it to us now. That's right, Dave. Do me mm-hmm. a favor. I mm-hmm. want you to. I want you to jump out there, and I want you to. I want you to do our. QG. Okay, I'll be right there. Wait, what? Um. Right. Wow. That's, that's some jump. I was going to jump out there. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, got no. Uh, <laughs> community segment, guys. Uh, please, Dave, go ahead and, and start that up. Absolutely. Uh, check out our latest and greatest Elder Scrolls news, general gaming, and how to join our wonderful growing community. It all starts at Elder Scrolls Off the Record dot com. Elder Scrolls Off the Record dot com. Elder Scrolls Off the Record dot com. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. Is that? 
<laughs> or you can check out questgamingnetwork.com for Quest all of our great games. Questgamingnetwork.com. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> Questgamingnetwork.com. You can find all of our great shows right there. Stay connected to all of them. Coming from Rift, Elder Scrolls, and General Gaming. You can donate to our shows. $10 gets a special mention if you prefer. You All you need to say is which episode you'd like to, to be set on. And any amount donated is a big help. To the network. Just like the Order of the Talons had received uh, today. Yes. Uh, Follow our other shows live. Rift Off the Record live Sunday at 7 p.m. Or right before my show on Tuesdays if they they miss a day. (laughs) Listen, you know what? (laughs) I was sick. I had a a sinus infection and you could still hear it. And unfortunately, you could you could hear it a lot um, on that show. We we uh, we just actually we just revamped the show. Did a great job with being sick. Just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) Rift off the record is um, is completely revamped and retooled, uh, and we're doing a lot of awesome stuff on that show. If you're a fan of Rift, free to play. It's on Steam. Huge influx of players coming in right now. We made a news post about it on um, on the show. It's me. It's Liz. It's Rift. You can't go wrong. Riftofftherecord.com. Rift Off The Record, Sundays at 7 p.m. Also, Dungeon Quest. That next episode should be the... Season finale. Season finale, and that's going to be on the 18th is when we have that scheduled. Yeah, I'm actually going to have to uh, sit down, I think, tomorrow. Write that one up. Yeah, I got to write that, that bad boy up. Yep, you can find that one. On Twitter, at DQ Podcast. And also, Totally Heroes, Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern. If you if you check that one out, uh, they had their single best episode ever this previous Monday. No, it was, the mo- it was actually no, the it, it Monday No, it was their before. single best no, episode ever. No, it had ever. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the reason why Dave is saying that is because someone sort of like, you know... Uh, big on on this show was was on there and I guess that's Dave so you know whatever. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for showing up. By the way, you were absolutely brilliant. Did you notice? I had a lot of fun. Dude. Did you notice that the YouTube video for Totally Heroes was like you, like a freaking derp, holding your controller in the air? You're like, it's like, <laughs> awesome. It's totally awesome. You gotta check it out. You know what? While you talk, I'm gonna see if I can bring this ridiculous thing up. You're gonna find love the it. picture. Find the picture. That's awesome. <laughs> also, controller. You can hear about all of our QGN shows and contact us on our sidebar on our any of our sites. Our forums can be found at questgamingcommunity.com. Brings you right to the forums. Lets you say hi to us. We're all in there. Yell at us. Do whatever. Get those running because we would love to talk to you. Um, you can email this show at record at gmail.com. Usually if you start it with hello Dave or Shank, you'll get noticed a lot faster because those are the one the emails that usually uh, pertain to things that interest me. Check. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, hold on, Dave. Not not to interrupt, but oh, you got the picture. Yeah, here it is. I don't know if you can if you can see that, but it's it's right down here. You see that? Oh, oh Dave, I got my controller. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> 
very right. good likeness. Very good likeness. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, you can <laughs> you can see all of our recorded Twitch streams, including me looking like a derp, at <laughs> youtube.com slash questgamingnetwork. You can also watch all of our nightly streams. We stream most every day, pretty much seven days a week, on our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash questgamingnetwork. Evarwin, you do something on that, don't you? I do. Every every Friday uh, is Classic Elder Scrolls Night with with me and whoever else I can drag in. So lately, it's been it's been uh, Shank. Although the last two weeks he finked out on me because he wanted to be selfish, and he's dead to me right now. So thank God. <laughs> yeah, that that's Classic Elder Scrolls Night <laughs> with Evarwin, which gets tweets that he gets whenever he does it that's right that's right he gets tweets jerk uh that's friday on our twitch channel twitch.tv forward slash quest gaming network at 8 p.m eastern time on on fridays but um i'm not the only one that does anything if shank were here i'd call i'd have him call out because i'm not exactly sure when he does his thing but he's got uh what i like to call shanker days uh which is shanker days shanker days uh shanker days uh, Shank Shank Saturdays, where he he wanders and does nothing in Tamriel, does absolutely nothing. He and just walks around, and it's amazing. It is the greatest thing you've ever seen in your life. Think of the greatest thing you ever seen in your life. Mm-hmm. Shankter days, better. Nope, better. It's better. No. First off, he's a man and clothed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so no. Oh, poor Shank. I love him. God, oh, he's so man. important to me. Yeah. Um, that's weird. So Dave <laughs> Dave does streaming too, by the way. So Dave, what what you tell us about your streams? He's got Dean does I something or other. I stream twice as much as some people here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have like Lou. my Tuesday night stream, uh, which is from eight PM to ten PM Eastern. That's my uh let's play. This month I'll be playing Don't Starve. And I also have uh my Thursday streams before the show from 1 p.m. Eastern to 3 p.m. Eastern, and currently I am doing Dean Does Skyrim Mage Edition. Mmm. I like that. Yeah. If you like some hot, fiery balls. Fire balls. <laughs> that's the place to come. <clears throat> Okay. <laughs> you realize, like, this entire episode, I have had a complete inability to play off of whatever Dave's saying. <laughs> like, I can't do anything at all. He's just like, hey, here's something horribly inappropriate. And I'm like, I got nothing for this right now. I have, I have nothing. Totally, like, I'm like a turtle yeah, on my back right now. Just shank to be able to trank. quip. We need him to quip after me. Yeah. We could use a solid quip from from Shank. Um, Dave, I, I don't mean to I don't mean to stop your momentum here, but mm-hmm. uh, you did mention uh, questgamingcommunity.com, which is our forums, and yes. I want to throw them up here on the live stream. Uh, such as they are, this is the place to go for for our forums. Come over here, hang out with us. We've got a lot of questions that that we ask here to to you guys directly, and. Uh, you know, we we would love to see a lot of traffic in here. We've got we've got our weekly wrap up, which is a new thing now that our community manager um, uh, John 
uh, Supa in the chat room is, is putting up. And that sums up our entire week right here on our forums. And uh, it's it's a great little thing. It's uh, it's going to grow. Everything that we do every single week is just gets posted right here from our, our articles to our videos, our podcasts and all that. It's uh, it's right here in our in our forums, um, as well as a general QGN discussions, discussions for each show. Elvis Girls Off the Record, Rift, Totally Heroes. It's uh, it's all right here. And we would love to have you if uh, if you would be. So kind as to jump there and uh, give us a shout. Back to you, Dave. <laughs> uh, one more place you can find all of our great information is on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elder Scrolls Off the Record is where we Facebook anything that goes on about this show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Elder Scrolls Off the Record is at Elder Scrolls O-T-R. Ivarwin is at E-V-A-R-W-Y-N. Lou is at GamerGuy11B. And I am D-I-E-N Force! <laughs> and Shank's not here, so who gives a crap? <laughs> <laughs> So he doesn't get the mention. He gets Sorry, nothing. <laughs> he gets nothing. You know why? Because he's at home right now having a great time doing whatever he's doing. You know? I know what he's doing. We all know what he's doing. Right now. What comes out today? I know what he's doing. We love you, Shank. You're the greatest human being ever. I wish you were here to defend yourself. <laughs> Crispy. Shank at who gives a crap. No. Oh, wow. <laughs> Guys, go to go to uh, elderscrollsofftherecord.com. We have some incredible uh, articles coming out there from news posts to our our weekly editorials. You know, Shanks Shanks throwing out some amazing stuff out there. As much fun of him as we make in this episode, he really is a brilliant dude and he's got an incredible article on there that that analyzes the graphics of ESO from a technical standpoint, but as a person who literally has no idea what he's talking about ever with this stuff, I found it to be easily digestible. Dare I say, uh, the the man is 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 brilliant, and uh, he he's the Carl Sagan of graphics. <laughs> billions and billions of pixels. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That is that is great. That is great. All right, guys. Uh, Elder Scrolls Off the Record is a Quest Gaming Network production in association with the Middle Earth Network. Say goodbye, Dave. Oh. <laughs> Have a great one, y'all. Boost Rota. And Lou. Good night, everyone. Glad you're all here. See you again next week. Chat room, you were lovely. Thank you so much. All of you who joined us today. We saw some very nice numbers in our chat room. We want to keep that going. Take care, everyone. Be safe. And may the foos be with you. Shadow hide you. Who's all there?